And we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wimtraub, but this time coming us live from uh, Topeka, Kansas. How are you, you doing, Seth? Good. Um, if you can see behind me, if you're watching, uh, I am at the Electric Formula Sun Grand Prix, which is currently going on. Here comes a car going by that looks like Appalachian State. I don't know if you can see that. Um, a little bit. Yeah. So uh, we're here uh, covering the uh, event, which is phenomenal. Like it's it's solar, it's batteries, it's students, uh, all of the things we love about technology, pushing, pushing things forward. Uh, Tesla was here, Blue Origin's here couple solar companies, MathWorks, a bunch of other things. So uh, really fun group of people. And, and uh, you know, the competition goes all weekend. So if, if you're in the Topeka area, uh, stop by and join us. Yes, we have uh, also an article that posted an article on this uh, earlier this week, or actually yesterday, I think, um, or the day before, where you can see a bunch of these, uh, these cool vehicles that uh, these students' uh, teams are coming up with. So... Uh, you can jump on the electric right now, and you can you can take a look. Like uh, here's the the whole group together here. Looks like a quite a fun event. Um, before we jump into the news this week, I want to thank our sponsor, uh, Pitigo. For uh, for July only, save up to five hundred dollars on Pitigo e-bikes, including the newest model, the Avenue. You can find a store in the show note right now by clicking either of these link right here and we're gonna have a little bit more to say about them later on the show so stay tuned for that but let's jump into the news this week we're gonna start with a quick overview as you can see here there's a lot of these articles here so we're gonna go through pretty fast because this is all about the next takeover basically we've been updating you every week on what's happening with the the quite a transformative moment in the ev industry in the north american market which is next kind of a almost undoubtedly now becoming the, the standard. So a, a few key things that happened uh, this week. While Volvo and Polestar, which basically the same thing at this point, are uh, joining up officially, same exact deal basically as Ford, GM, and Rivian have announced before. Uh, kind of the first European slash Chinese uh, companies to, to join on board. Um, the, uh, the, the, the German are still not in yet, but we're going to have a little bit more to say about that uh, as soon. And obviously the Japanese and the Korean are also not, not quite on board just yet, but I think it's going to come. And why do I think it's going to come? Is because SAE, one of the previous sponsors of the, the podcast, uh, has announced that uh, it, it has come to an agreement with Tesla to take over the standard standardization of the NAC standard. So when Tesla first announced that it's opening up its own connector, becoming NACs and trying to open it as a, as a standard. It hadn't gone through the proper homologation process to do that. Um, it, it was sort of more of a nanscation of it. And then most likely a test of the market to see how it would react and if it was actual interest to do it. And it took a little bit the time probably like a, a five to six months to get some momentum but now it's in so sae international taking over basically what, it, what does it mean is that are they, they're gonna do through all the obligation and regulation process that comes with making it an official standard and also it sort of takes that away from tesla um, which is probably one of the last bottleneck that uh, some of the other automakers were not sure about now that that this is in the end of sae 
and they're going to make it, uh, they're going to, um, how did they phrase that exactly? Uh, they, they had a phrase that they use um, to develop, uh, well, they, they did say that it's going to be done on an accelerated time frame too. Um, they're going to use a public infrastructure, but basically it's it's going to be now more of a consortium of effort and, and all the different players are going to be able to have inputs into the standard rather than, than Tesla just like giving it to people. <laughs> and obviously this is for anyone that had any doubt about like Tesla are they, are, is there any uh, is, is there any intention, a hidden intention behind that? Uh, is it trying like to just own the entire like connector and, and charging infrastructure? Like what, what is happening here? That takes some of it away. And now Tesla is obviously behind the whole connector. It developed it from the ground up by itself and all that. And is as now it's as basically given it up to the industry. Uh, for for good reason, like and now it's starting like to be very hard to argue against like Tesla having any hidden intention behind this. It's very much a mission driven uh, move, in my opinion, at this point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's a good thing. Uh, you know, I'm not always like 100% pro uh, Tesla's moves, but uh, in this case, I think they have a superior standard. I will say though, however, uh, this you know, even if it's open, even if it's uh, you know, everybody has input on day one. Tesla is way out in front of everybody else with like, you know, manufacturing the NAX mm. connectors, manufacturing receptacles, everything else. Like they're, you know, 10 years ahead of everybody else or you know, infinitely ahead of everybody else because nobody else no, is pr- even pretty started. much 10, 10, 11 years ahead. <laughs> right. So uh, it's not, I mean, it does seem altruistic in a lot of ways, but it also doesn't really put Tesla in a bad position per se. Uh, Correct. Yeah, that's They're in a great, a great situation. Now they're going to have more charging stations available to Tesla owners eventually, which, you know, obviously it, it goes both ways. Um, And, you know, they're not going to have to build, you know, in, in a couple years, like in uh, four or five years, nobody's going to have to build adapters because everything's going to be next. Um, So yeah, the adapter market is basically going to max out at some point where everyone that needs one or wants one is going to have one. And, and then with every new car coming on the North American market as an AX uh, connector, it, it won't be it won't be written anymore. And it's it's just it's going to be a way smoother market in North America. Like right now, like right now you still have Shademo, <laughs> you have uh, uh, you have the CCS obviously, and you have Tesla and. And the CCS was seen as the standard, but Tesla was the biggest one with the NAX in terms of volume. So it was very weird, very not homogenic North American market. It, it won't be just yet for the reason we just discussed with the adapters and whatnot. But 2025 onward, it's a, it's a done deal. So that's that's going to be way better. A few new, a few other quick uh, NAX news this week. So Volkswagen, even though they didn't jump on board completely they did uh, confirm that they are in talks with Tesla. So that's something that we've been discussing over the last um, few weeks that the stories have been unveiling is, um, is that Tesla is still right now because, because a big part of this move is not just that it is a better standard, a better uh, connector. It's access to a supercharger network is a big part of this whole thing. So 
that is still Tesla's for a good reason. They, they paid for the whole thing. <laughs> they deployed the whole thing. Um, right. So having that access is a big selling point for Tesla. And now for everyone getting on board and next, like if this is the carrot that Tesla is dangling over all these other automakers. And so Tesla needs a deal. The, the automakers needs a deal to do that. They need a deal, especially for the, for the adapter, because they don't want to say, hey, we're dropping on on next. Uh, all our vehicles starting in 2025 are going to have NAX. It, it creates, like we, we talked about, the Osborne effect for every sales before that. So they all need to have this deal with Tesla ahead of time, which is obviously a good thing for Tesla at the same time, or at least supercharger revenue-wise. So they confirmed that, and we assume it's going to come soon. And sure enough, just before they announced that, Electrify America announced that they are going to add NAX to their charging station which we knew was going to come uh like the, the all, all the superchargers uh, all the uh, charging station manufacturer and operator's announcement about next are not as exciting because it's just it just makes sense i actually it, it's it doesn't make sense that they haven't done that before once Tesla actually opened the standard in november like if i was an executive at uh one of those companies i would have jumped on that right away because like hey they are giving us access to the biggest fleet of electric vehicles out there. Let's just, and our job is to sell electricity to those vehicles. <laughs> like, let's just dump on that. Now, they were a bit slow to this whole thing, uh, but now they're doing it. And Electrify America doing it is a little bit more newsworthy, obviously, because of its affiliation with Volkswagen and all of Volkswagen's brands. Uh, so this is the Volkswagen group, by the way, that, that, that said that about being in talks with Tesla. And they, men they mentioned that all their brands are involved in that. So you can assume that Porsche, Audi, VW will all be included in the sort, sort of deal that I would assume going to be announced in the next week, maybe two weeks max. Um, so yeah, and on top of Electrify America, ChargePoint also announced it. Again, uh, don't know what took so long. Blink also announced it this week. Basically now I think all charging station operator and manufacturer, or at least all the major ones uh, that are operating in North America, have announced it. Uh, we even had the first automaker, uh, Verge, uh, the, the first electric motorcycle maker, uh, Verge, that announced that for its uh, North American motorcycle, they're going to use Nax. I think we're going to see a lot more of these smaller companies that uh, are not necessarily in the auto business, but in uh, uh, in like the off-roading world, electric off-roading world, to where they have level two and up. So because some of them don't necessarily even need like electric bikes, for example, like you don't, this they're not going to have knacks. Like you don't need level two, level three charging on those. But for everything that can use level two, level three, I think they're all going to move to that. It's just going to make a lot more sense. Yep. All right, we're going to move on from next news. I know there was a lot that we went through all of it. I think everyone now is updated on the uh, Nax takeover, I'm calling it. Uh, if you do enjoy the Electric Podcast, I would appreciate if you can give us a like, thumbs up, whatever it is on your, on your app that you're watching because we're live everywhere every 4 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. And um, if you are listening to your, the, the podcast through a podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever it is, if you can give us a five-star review, it takes a second to do. It's free and it helps the show a ton uh, to uh, help it up, up the charts and propagating to more EV fans that want to keep up with all the news in the electrification world. All right, we're going to move to some Tesla news this week. Um, a rumor, but a rumor that uh, sounds very plausible is coming out of China right now about the new Model 3. So 
we are uh, starting Q3, and that's when we are expecting the new Model 3. We are expecting it in to be produced in GigaFerry Shanghai first, like it's often the case with new Tesla product these days. And um, there's been a rumor that Tesla is going to shut down Model 3 production for a little bit in Shanghai in the coming weeks. Makes sense. Um, and now we learned that, so we've, we've been talking a lot about like the designs updates, some new features in the Model 3 and all that, but we expect a significant upgrade under the hood with things like the, the powertrain and the actual chassis of the, of the vehicle. Um, not exactly clear what those entails exactly. For the chassis, we know it's probably going to involve a bigger casted part and, and all that, like the Model Y. But in terms of the powertrain, it was not clear. Tesla has been in, improving its powertrain significantly over the years, especially at the, the, the drivetrain level and uh, a module and pack level. But in terms of sales, other than the 4680, uh, they've been extremely reliant of what their suppliers have been producing, obviously. And in China, CATL has been the main partner for Tesla. And now CATL is bringing to production its new M3P uh, cells, which is a new version of its uh, LFP chemistry. So lithium iron phosphate I'm talking about. And this, the, uh, there's a report coming out of, uh, of China right now that Tesla is going to use this new battery in the base version of the new Model 3. And it's going to enable a 10% increase in um, overall energy capacity. So it's going to go up to a 66 kilowatt hour battery pack. Uh, so it should en- enable a, a slightly longer range than in the current version of the standard range Model 3. It should. It's not exactly confirmed, obviously, because um, we need to see the, the weight differential and, and all that. Uh, but uh, I would assume that Tesla is going to reduce the overall uh, weight of the Model 3 with this, with this upcoming update. There's also talk of cheaper, the M3P being cheaper than the, the existing um, CATL LFP cells, which are already some of the cheapest, if not the cheapest on the market. So that is bringing some hope of a lower price for the Model 3 with the update. But at the same time, Tesla has been slashing prices on the Model 3 ahead of the update. So we don't, and they've been doing it on new inventory vehicle and not on new orders, which we've been expecting that some new orders might come as the new refresh Model 3. So it's, uh, the yield the situation is still up in the air. All right, uh, this is, uh, we knew it was coming, but this is finally happening now. Tesla has started to run ads, actual paid advertising, uh, and they are doing it through uh, Google right now. So it's some Google search ads. So people have started seeing pop-up, especially in the UK, but also in the US. And uh, they, uh, they, they've seen these in search or when they search for a specific term related to electric vehicles or Tesla, uh, these things are going to come pop up right here. And th- Google has an interesting ad transparency program. So you can see all the ads run by specific companies. Uh, and Tesla was running 18 of them, mostly related to the Model Y and Model 3, again, in the UK, but also some solar installation too. So Tesla has been doing a push for that. Um, so this this is this is a, obviously just Tesla dipping its toes in the advertising world. They, they announced it. Elon confirmed that they, they're going to do it at the uh, investor uh, was it the investor day or was the shareholder the shareholder meeting? I think um, earlier this year. And um, the idea behind it is that Tesla has been relying on cutting prices lately to boost demand. Uh, there is an argument to be made that efficient advertising could cost less than those price cuts because a lot of people were just not aware of 
accessibility to Tesla vehicles uh, in terms of pricing, especially in this world right now where the average new car sell price is so high anyway that a Tesla vehicle is not that expensive. It's not as expensive as it used to be with combining the inflation and the price cuts together. You, you end up at a, a sweet spot for Tesla. That So if uh, people become more aware of that, you could increase the market. But this is not really, I think, what most people were expecting in terms of ads. Like this is very simple, like search ads. Like you can literally see them on the screen right now if you're watching. It's nothing impressive. I think people were expecting some like TV commercial style things, some, maybe some banner ads on the website that in, include some nice graphics or whatnot. What do you think, Seth? Yeah, they're definitely dipping the toes in uh, slow here. Um, or, you know, maybe this is the, just the quickest they can get something up and then, you know, the bigger uh, TV ads will have to come later after some production value and um, stuff like that. I don't know. I uh, It doesn't seem like Elon's a big fan of uh, uh, ads unless it has to do with uh, Twitter. Um, so, <laughs> Unless uh, someone pay him to run them on Twitter. Is that what right. Saying? Yeah, and, and people had had said previously that like, Hey, there, here's a good way for Elon to get money from, you know, his cash volcano of Tesla to, uh, test or to Twitter and just buy, you know, $10 billion worth of ads, mm-hmm. you know, have Tesla buy $10 billion of ads on Twitter. And that's, you know, transferring the money over, but, um, he's not done, done that yet. Uh, I don't think that would be a good first place to start. No. Uh, if, if that's a concern at all. No, obviously the best place to start is electric. I don't know why we're of not wearing Tesla. Yeah. Just yet. <laughs> everyone is just every level self-serving place. Uh, yeah, possible. Yeah. Everybody's already got their Tesla or won't ever have a Tesla. Yeah. But it's interesting. Nonetheless, we're going to keep an eye on that because, uh, I mean, either way, like obviously I'm joking about uh, Tesla running ads on electric. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's good for us anyway because it increased the competitiveness of the uh, advertising market for electric vehicle, which obviously we're involved in indirectly because most of our ads are through uh, are through this, actually through Google AdSense, like they just mentioned. So we don't have any power actually on what shows up, uh, creating kind of a firewall between the two. All right, this one is interesting here. It's not it's not that big interesting, but I, I, I had to post it because it looks like the story is going viral right now. It's hilarious. Uh, oh, uh, you can still hear me, right? Yeah. Okay. Just a little bit of a lag here for some reason, uh, but the story should be running. So we, we've been uh, we've been talking about this for a little bit now, where uh, Tesla basically canceled all Model S and X orders in uh, right-hand drive markets. Uh, even stop taking new orders uh, altogether for the Model S and X in some specific right-hand drive market. The smaller ones like Thailand, uh, Australia, uh, Singapore. In the UK, which is obviously the biggest uh, right-hand drive market. Uh, Japan, Japan might be bigger. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe Japan and the UK, like, they're pretty big. Uh, I think for Tesla, UK is a much bigger, though obviously Tesla has never made big stride in Japan, which is they, they love their domestic brands there. But um, UK was a big deal because a lot of them were waiting for their new order since the refresh two years ago. Uh, so they've been, they, they had their order in for years and now Tesla just canceled them. And they're like, but in the UK, instead of just not offering new mobile S and X at all, they started offering left hand drive mobile S to those uh, NX to those uh, buyers. 
So some of them took Tesla up on that offer and they started delivery this week. And what we learned this week is that Tesla has included the product to, uh, to cancel out the fact that they have a left-hand drive rather than a right-hand drive. And that product is called the Reacher. And this this what we're seeing here right now. It is uh, a grabbing stick, I'm calling it. I don't know, I don't know if there's an actual word for this. But uh, we you, you see a lot of uh, disabled people, people with handicaps that are are using those to, to reach uh, distances um, with it because there's like a, a claw at the end to, to grab it. In this case, I assume that Tesla meant it for people to uh, especially to, to reach anything that is on the passenger window and that normally should be on the driver's side. Uh, so you can think about things like park, parking tickets, parking receipts, um, drive throughs if you're going through drive throughs and when you grab your coffee and you just use your little claw and grab yeah, it. Yeah, good luck your... with that. Yeah. <laughs> good, good thing that Tesla seats are easy to clean. Um, so yeah, it's pretty hilarious because like Tesla is like, all right, well, we, we just cancel all your orders and we force you to if you want. Uh, people took offense on me putting forcing in that headline, but I mean, they, they are forcing you to get a left-hand drive if you want to have a Model S and X like you, or obviously you can cancel, you can not buy it altogether. But if you want a Model S and X, you're forced to get a left-hand drive right now. That's a fact. Um, but Tesla is like, ah, it's okay. We give you a, the Reacher <laughs> instead. The Reacher. The Reacher, game-changing product from Tesla right here. Uh, at the bottom, there's an original tweet, and it shows that guy uh, actually like using that for on the left, the top left picture. I think is a him reaching for like uh, the the keys to open a building or something. Oh yeah, you can't open directly in Twitter anymore. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, he's got like his keys, and he has to open open a <laughs> open a garage door or something with that. It's pretty ridiculous. But but at the same time, it is a crappy solution to a you know obvious problem, yeah. and it's obviously cheaper than building left hand drive cars. Yeah, but that, that's the thing that people have been saying to some of the more hardcore Tesla fans. I've always used that as a positive for Tesla because of its very minimalist and uh, symmetrical design inside the all of its vehicles. Really, it's like super easy to make it left hand drive rather than right hand drive. I'm like. All right. Apparently not that easy. Otherwise, <laughs> they wouldn't have yeah. canceled the uh, thousands of orders. It's weird that they ha- they already have it for the Model S. Sorry, the Model uh, Three and Model Y, and they had it for the Model S and X earlier. Mm-hmm. It's just weird that they. I guess they just do not make enough of them to rationalize that. I guess I don't they know. don't make enough, and I also think that probably Tesla. Well, I mean, we knew that Tesla was sitting on a big inventory in the U.S. and and, and other places, so they might decide to just let's um, let's just try to unload some of that left hand drive inventory and right hand drive markets. Because even though we get a certain cancellation rate on those, we uh, we do unload a lot of cars before the end of the quarter, which is always an important goal for Tesla. So I think some of that had to play too. And we saw a big drop in Model S and X inventory in the US over the last few weeks. Obviously that can be attributed to delivery push in the US too, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of those have been sent out to uh, right-hand drive markets. All right, here's a question. If Elon Musk tweeted out Reacher 499, sorry, 49.99 to all of his followers, how many could Tesla sell? Just 
Would he sell like a hundred thousand? You think? Uh, probably. Probably. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Uh, so many people would just buy twenty of them, thinking that it's going to be like some kind of novelty products or, or something. Right. That's 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 the thing with the, with these. Like every time that uh, Tesla has done a drop like that, or like the boring company has done a drop like that, mm-hmm. um, it has worked. Yep. Tequila. Tequila. Short. Short. Beer. Forty dollars a can beer, a can yeah. or a bottle, whatever. All right, last Tesla news before moving on to non-Tesla news. Sorry. Uh, we have the consensus from Wall Street about the deliveries for Q3, Q2 Sorry, at Tesla, and it's uh, 448,000 units uh, vehicles globally uh, for the last three months. So uh, today is the last day of the, of the second quarter, yeah? And... Um, Tesla is expected to release their delivery numbers m- most likely Sunday. Normally, it's like two days after the quarter. Sunday is a weird time to release that. It's generally the case. Maybe it's going to be different this time because it's a long, it's, it's a long weekend in the U.S., right? How does, how does it work, the 4th of July? Uh, is it going to uh, be two, uh, Wednesday? I, don't think, I think they just take the 4th off. I don't know if they're going to – yeah, I don't know how it works, to be honest. Yeah, it's not a long weekend. Then, I guess. No. Yeah, so, so yeah, it should be, should be normal then. Um, all right, so 448,000 units. That's up 6% from uh, last quarter or 400,000, 22,000 units. Uh, that's, that, is, that was a, a record, so this is expected to be a new record. Um, if they do deliver on that estimation, it would put Tesla at uh, 870,000 units delivered for the first half of the year. The goal for the year has been 1.8 million. So Tesla would need to deliver an average of uh, half a million units for the next two quarters in order to uh, to get there, which seemed very much achievable. Uh, obviously, the discounts have been helpful in the U.S. Also, you've been the new tax credit has been very helpful this year. Uh, so we need to see that going for Tesla. But there's a new Model 3 happening that could revive a little bit the uh, vehicle program that's been outshined by the Model Y over the last few months. So a lot of things are possible. But in terms of deliveries, there's one thing. The market is going to be looking closer to Tesla's uh, gross margin, how how they are affected by those price cuts. So that's going to be interesting, but that's going to be uh, another few weeks when Tesla uh, gets closer to releasing their earnings. All right, before we jump into uh, the other news of the week, a lot of GM news this week that we're going to get into. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about our sponsor, the e-bike maker, Pedego. All right. Uh, this week's episode is sponsored by Pedego Electric Bikes, America's number one electric bike retailer. Pedego believes in making e-bikes easy to use and incredibly fun to ride. That's why they offer an extensive selection of over 20 e-bike models, each with endless customization options. No matter your style or preferences, Pedego has the perfect bike for you. That includes the company's newest model designed with a classic European look paired with modern features. It has a 500-watt motor, a 48-volt battery, and a range of up to 56 miles on a single charge making it perfect for commuting or leisurely rides around town. The Avenue comes with both a 28-inch classic and step-through frame and a 26-inch step-through frame, making it accessible for any rider. With over 220 stores across the country staffed with knowledgeable local experts and dedicated service technicians, 
Pedigo ensures that you receive personalized attention and support every step of the way. Pedigo also offers a five-year warranty on all e-bikes, which is among the longest in the market. I think I think it is the longest in the market. I don't. Yeah, know. I, I was long. surprised by that actually. In July, Pedigo is running an exclusive promotion for Electric listeners. You can save up to five hundred dollars on their bikes, including their newest bike, the Avenue. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. Yes. Head over to Pet. Nope. Yeah, I mean, five hundred bucks is not not nothing. Head over to Pedigo.com or the link in the show notes for more info. Thanks again to Pedigo for sponsoring. I have to say, like, as a side note, uh, you know, maybe like five years ago, I was like, eh, I don't know if I would recommend Pedigo bikes. Um, they they were kind of just, I would say, like, you know, re- like pretty good Chinese bikes that they would kind of rebrand and whatever. Um, I have a buddy, uh, Riley, who has a Pedigo shop nearby, and uh, he's always, like, really excited when a new one comes in. The, the the latest bikes that are coming out of Pedigo are really solid. Mm-hmm. And of course his, his shop is like an Apple store for me because I love e-bikes. <laughs> so if you know a Pedigo shop around, go check it out. They've really improved uh, and the bikes are amazing. And if you don't have an e-bike for this summer, like what are you doing? Like you need an <laughs> e-bike for this summer. It's, it's so much fun. It's so get much your fun. life together. Come on. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, even if you don't like biking, like you, you're gonna like biking for it because it, it eliminate, eliminates the the bad, the not fun part of it. Because like, oh, you don't kill yourself on a hill or something. You just you feel actually you feel like a superhero when you're on a hill. So you just like, ooh, if if you have like a smooth torque sensoring on it, it's just so fun. All right, uh, we have a bunch of GM news to discuss right now, uh, starting with the the Chevy Blazer, which we haven't been discussing that much. It's kind of been being overshined by the. Uh, uh, okay, upcoming Equinox EV. It's a little bit more expensive. It's uh, uh, a little bit sportier uh, uh, SUV, but uh, it's in production right now. The first, call it sellable, so the first unit that is can be delivered to uh, to customers have uh, come out the production line, and they've been celebrating there at the Ramos Arispe plant in Mexico, where it's being produced, uh, and uh, now it's expected to hit the dealerships uh, fairly soon. And just a little quick note on uh, uh, the 2LT model, expected to start at uh, $47,595 with up to 293 miles of range. And then you also have the little bit higher end RS model uh, that has a 320 miles of range, but starts at around $52,000. And then you have the high end SS model and one uh, that uh, starts at $70,000. This one is not going to come until the winter, though. Um, so while I was at the Silverado event, which I think we'll talk about, uh, they actually had a not it was one that was actually drivable and it was built at the factory. Um, and they let me kind of tool around in it. But I forgot to uh, make a post for it. I, well, I just made it a YouTube exclusive because it was kind of for the the uh, Silverado. But um, I will mm-hmm. add that to the post so that we can. I'll enjoy that. Um, it's a pretty solid vehicle. I have to say, like, uh, seeing it in person is, it's a little bit nicer than I had. I, I like it more than I thought I would. Um, and, you know, for me, like, I've always had uh, this, like, love-hate relationship with Blazers because my, my grandfather and dad gave me a Blazer S10 when I was, like, 16 years old, which was, like, sweet. I got a Blazer mm-hmm. S10. 
but uh it came with like a plow and a mower in the back <laughs> and that was basically because i was going to be working all the time with that thing so uh i basically spent like half of my teenage years like driving that thing around to either mow a lawn or or plow a driveway so uh blue blazer love it poison glyph yeah All right, uh, GM launched the Altium Arm Charging with three different bundles as part of his uh, GM Energy division. So they are uh, delving a little bit deeper into the charging world and um, home energy storage. And they're doing it, obviously, in preparation for the the upcoming launch of the Silverado Electric that has vehicle-to-home capability. Uh, so here, um, I looked it up a little bit. I was when, when I read Scooter's article, I was like, I was just I was looking for pricing because that was my main thing. Is with uh, Ford solutions, so Ford has a similar solution. That's the thing that people have been uh, looking for. Apparently, it's hard to get your hands on one, and it's even harder to get pricing on one. Um, but yeah, what we have here is uh, this little uh, suite of solutions. So you have the GM PowerShip charger, which is a a charger that up to 19.2 kilowatt of charging speed. It also enables vehicle to home bidirectional charging capability with compatible uh, GM electric vehicles, of course. Then you have the vehicle to home and hence enablement kit. Uh, so I assume you need both of those together to work. So it's not just which, not just one, because I don't think you can just have one enablement kit, but. Uh, the inverter home hub and dark start battery comes with it. 9.6 kilowatt of discharge power capability uh, into your home. Sensely connect to your home and grid. Okay, and then you have the Ultium home energy system where you have those two uh, that we just discussed, the power shift charger and the home in the moment kit, a vehicle to home in the moment kit put together. And you had to that a separate power bank so the gm power bank so it used the the ultium battery pack system uh to create a home storage that is compatible to vehicle to home and uh, it comes with either a 10.6 kilowatt hour version that have five kilowatts of power output or a 17.7 kilowatt hour version with seven kilowatt uh, of output so this is going to be gm's uh, power wall competitor basically you can see some pictures of it right now and yeah, uh, unfortunately, like I said, the only thing that we don't have is the actual cost of these things, which is important to know because those things are, for the most part, like it's very much about financial financial decision because they're going to replace like your generator or they're going to replace a uh, power wall or whatever uh, own battery solution that you have. So it needs to make financial sense on, on that front. So I think the obviously the Altium energy package with the power bank um, would be more for someone that is looking at like some net metering advantage. So you want to do some daily cycling and you don't want to use your vehicle's battery pack too often for that. You can still plug in your own battery pack if you have an extended outage, for example, if you have a natural disaster or whatever and you want more than 17 kilowatt hour or i assume those are stackable too but anyway um let's say that you have seven you, that's the thing you don't you don't necessarily need for them to be stackable if you also have the battery in your vehicles to complement it if need be 
So you can even take like the smaller one, though the smaller one is also limited to five kilowatt of. So that that's something a lot of people don't think about that much. They are very focused on the energy capacity of our energy storage solution because they look at like, all right, my house consumes like thirty kilowatt hour of energy per day. So I want to have I want to have a full day of it. So I want to have thirty kilowatt hour. But you have to look at the, how much power you draw at once. So so maybe like fifteen of those thirty kilowatt hours you use them in a in an hour's period of time. So you need that kilowatt capacity to do that uh so that's why that's why i have two polar power walls here it's not because i need 28 kilowatt hour of battery storage it's because i need the uh, 10 kilowatts of continuous output that the two of them put together gives me uh or actually is it 14 i don't remember if tesla had upgraded into seven by that time i think i think it is 14 now, now, now it is but i don't know if it was by the time i installed those I yeah i don't remember so yeah but and then you have you plug in your, your your truck and then you have a 200 kilowatt hour of energy capacity which is going to last you weeks <laughs> so it's 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 pretty fun it's a it's a fun concept to have i, I just i i really want to see the cost because like this whole thing could cost you like this the whole ultium home energy system put together i wouldn't be surprised if even if you go with the 10 kilowatt hour um power bank <sighs> installed 15, 20,000, 15,000, $20,000 install. So it's a, big a, lot investment. a lot of money, but you know, you get peace of mind. I think this is actually really good. And frankly, I'm surprised Tesla didn't come out with this product like five years ago. They've been it, talking about it. They never pulled the trigger. Yeah. It's like, not just not a priority for them, I guess, mm-hmm. but would this kind of seems like the final form because like you have, yeah. Your house is good. You have like a cache of energy that, you know, if your car is not at your house, your your house is still powered. But the big battery that's in your car can be used in uh, emergency situations that last, you know, a day or more or, you know, maybe even a week if you had, or a couple of weeks if you had that crazy uh, GM battery. But uh, you need to leave the house for a while and go somewhere. Then the battery is, you know, the, the stationary battery is now powering your house again. So for me, this is like if I were clean slate doing something for my house, this is what it would look like. Um, it's, you know, it kind of frustrates me that I have like, you know, kind of a piecemeal, like, you know, I have the solar and I have the battery and everything and I have the switch off. But, um, you know, I only have two power walls, you know, older power walls worth of energy. And then I have to kind of jerry rig something else up from my uh, other cars, uh, which, you know, obviously not optimal. So you know, kudos for GM for at least like laying it out there. Uh, we'll see if it's, you know, price competitive and how, how reliable it is. Yeah. I would assume we're going to see that closer to the actual, uh, deliveries of the, um, of the Silverado electric. Um, but, um, but at the yeah, same I think time, they were, they were targeting yeah. the end of the year with the RST. And I feel like this was going to be, be around the same time. Yeah. But at the same time, the, <laughs> when the, uh, uh, the lightning came out and we haven't <laughs> seen that pricing right. either so we'll see it's it people don't it, it's a big installation thing so it's like it, that that's why I, I don't understand tesla not taking advantage of it because tesla already has solar installers and electrician and all that doing the work for, for for the energy division so at least in the markets where those are available it would make so much sense for tesla to do that it's, even, even if it's just for like knowledge, like just to get some experience with, with it and, and see how customers actually use it. Because Tesla's argument with that has often been that, that customers don't 
is not going to use that that much. Like the power wall is a better solution than a vehicle to home, which I agree for, for the most part. But like Seth said, it's just good to have if you need it. Like if like, a lot of people are like, not preppers necessarily out there, but like there's a, there's a few levels between like, all right, I, I trust the grid 100% and being a, a full-on prepper. <laughs> like there's right. a few levels between those. And I think most people sit between those uh, the, the, in that spectrum. Uh, so, so a lot of people in that spectrum, myself included, would like to have that as an option uh, at the very least. Same. Um, where did I lose that? Okay, I moved that page right here. Sorry. All right, still on, still on GM news. Um, the Hummer EV has gone full circle. And that's uh, with this vehicle right here, which is just a prototype right now. But what does that remind you of, Seth? Jeep. Uh, I thought you were going to say Humvee. <laughs> uh, Humvee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Jeep was the original Humvee, really. Uh, but yeah, obviously the Hummer originated as a civilian version of the Humvee, which was a military vehicle. And then um, the Hummer went away for a little bit, but came back as the Hummer EV that we know today from GMC. And now it comes full circle because it has become a new military. There's made a, they made a military version of the uh, civilian Hummer. <laughs> so really a, a full four-step full circle. And uh, we, we, we've been talking about before about the GM defense program going electric as the U.S. Army has announced that they want to go full electric by 2050, um, which is uh, an ambitious goal because obviously you have uh, like the, this is a big vehicle rear with a 200 kilowatt battery pack, but it is among the smallest vehicles that the military operates when you talk about like uh, tanks and, uh, and helicopters and whatnot. But it's all very doable. It's just going to take time. And you have to start somewhere. And this is a good start. Like the armor, it, make, it makes sense. It was originally meant to be a military vehicle. And I, again, like you said, it has gone full circle now to the civilian electrification of it, which makes a lot of sense. The specs are, are the same. Uh, they expect maybe a little bit shorter range, obviously, when you put uh, a 50 caliber machine gun on top <laughs> and what looks like a bazooka. Uh, it takes... Uh, it put on some weight, even if you remove the doors or whatnot. Uh, but yes, this is so. Th- this was the previous generation of electric vehicles that GM was developing with the Army. But it had, even though they didn't say it was based on the Bolt EV battery pack, it had a 66 kilowatt-hour battery pack on it, which is too much of a coincidence for me. I think it was literally just using that, and that's obviously way too small of an energy capacity for uh, a vehicle of that size and, and that much lack of good aerodynamic performance uh so the the armor ev is a much better platform and sure enough looking into the the, the program's uh, notes i found that gm defense has provided a not not this this is like a brand new prototype that is just for show right now but uh, they have provided a regular gmc over ev pickup to the u.s army for testing right now and demonstration so uh, you can expect some kind of version of that likely being in a super overpriced uh, military program uh, request of proposals soon. All right, last piece of news before we jump into the comment section. And I see a lot of uh, discussions in the comments right now today. So appreciate everyone that's uh, right uh, that's discussing right now. But if you have a specific question for us, if you could put question in front of it and ask it, so it's going to be easier for us to get through the uh, uh, get to them after we're done with the next piece of news. That would be super helpful. 
or if you have any other subjects you want us to discuss in the EV world today, you can put them in the comment section right now too. We're going to get to them in just a few minutes after we talk about this. So this, ooh, I spent a, like uh, most of uh, my, but not, not this week, but uh, since most of my time working in electric, since the um, the fire at Nicola last week, I was spent on, on this on this story here. I spent a lot of time talking to a lot of different people, trying to figure out what what happened, uh, and a lot of people that reached out to me after my article just because of uh, general skepticism that was in my article originally from Nicola claiming that uh, foul play was involved in this in this fire that they had uh, last week at their facility in phoenix where five trucks caught on fire um there was foul play but there hasn't been any evidence released they, they claim foul play but it was not any evidence released so far uh now we found another potential um cause of the fire i cannot say it is the cause um because like i, I don't know i don't have the trucks like that and the analysis of the uh of the fire is still closely guarded. They haven't released anything yet. But I was able to confirm that Nikola had a major battery defect in the battery module that Romeo was making for that truck. Um, so talking to a bunch of insiders and actually reviewing the actual uh, report about this incident uh, confirmed that when Romeo was producing the battery pack for the tree, the battery modules, I should say, for, for, for the tray uh, Nikola truck, uh, a quality insurance guy on the production line, and and this Nicola's uh, PR team here has tried very hard to shut down the article, and their main their main argument was this here. So Nick, uh, Romeo was producing two battery modules for the Nicola tray, the Hermes, 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 uh, and the Legion. The Legion is the one that ended up in the production version of the of the truck. There's a bunch of difference. The, the, the actual architecture of the pack itself of the module is is they are extremely similar, uh, but uh, they they change a few things to um, be able to have potting in in inside the the module uh, for uh, for the Legion, and they also change the cells, but it's the same form factors and whatnot. And the problem is, they they produce this report on the Hermes battery modules which didn't make it to the production version it was only in the early alpha then they switched to the legion so um nicola is like eh, it's the legion the legion is fine in, in, in this truck but i talked to two sources that worked on this specific on, on both the Hermes and legion modules and they said that this problem was first identified on the legion battery module this report was produced with the Hermes. For one reason, because the Hermes is unpotted, like I said, the Legion is. So there's a bunch of potting all over the cells, which hides the connection of the cells. Because the problem here that they found is this here. So the laser welding that uh, connects the, the cells to the battery modules uh, would sometimes puncture the cell. And if you know anything about battery packs and battery cells... You do not want to puncture a battery cell. <laughs> it's really bad news. And um, what they found is that it creates this imbalance in the battery modules. And over time, this imbalance, the delta of the imbalance just increases. And that can create a lot of problems in the battery pack, even thermal events, according to many battery experts. So, all right. So they detected that. And like what I've seen here on the report, they detected it March 28th. Again, 
from my sources, it was detected on the Legion battery pack, the battery pack that Nikola uses, a battery module that Nikola uses in the tray. Um, Nikola, when, when they talked to me about it, they said, if, if this made it to a truck, it made it to like early alpha prototype trucks. However, I have it on, the, on this right here that says it was detected on March 28th. They announced that the tray entered production on March 21st. So they didn't even detect the problem by the time that the truck was already being produced in production. So that made no sense. And not only that, this produce, as you can, this this report, as you can see, was produced in uh, in June. That uh, where where they found they, they kept they, they detected the, the discharge problem from the pack. So they was visually seen in in uh, March the puncture, but the problem was still ongoing all the way through June. Um, and I've learned after that that it was still ongoing further than that. But anyway. So between March and June, when the tree was in production for a vehicle that goes to customers, they had this problem. So that I can confirm from this. Um, now, obviously, my sources are with Romeo. And the way that uh, Nicola has been defending itself, is it's a weird one. They, they seem in, in the comments, like I can tell you like what they told me here officially. And, and I had a lot of Nikola investors attacking me all week over this. They even go as far as claiming that I made up this comment from a, a Nikola spokesperson here, as if I would do that. Like, how easy is it to get caught doing that? Like, <laughs> I have the, <laughs> it's so dumb. Anyway, so Nikola wrote, for production Nikola vehicles, Nikola re requested Romeo not ship known leaking modules. That's a good request to make right there. Don't, don't ship me damaged modules. When weld issues were identified at Romeo's end-of-line process, a quarantine process was implemented which required performance of a thorough inspection of every modules, including end-of-line functionality check. To our knowledge and based upon assurance made by our supplier, Romeo, Nicola did not put any module with weld issue in our production vehicles. So there's a few problems with that comment because it's not very reassuring because, like they said, they said, to our knowledge and based upon assurances made by our supplier, Romeo. Well, I talked to people that were at Romeo at the time, and they say different than that. They say that they were shipping products that were, that were damaged. And they say that uh, the well issue were identified at the end-of-the-line process and quarantine process. So the quarantine thing has been disputed by a very credible source that talked to me that said that they told the, the uh, advocated with the CEO of Romeo at the time, which was uh, Susan something. Susan Brennan was CEO of Romeo at the time. I requested an interview with her. She hasn't responded. Uh, that they, so the engineering team said we should shut it down. And she said, no, we'll try to fix the, the problem in parallel with production. And so that means that production was ongoing. So the current, that, that challenged the quarantine claim. And not only that, they said that a thorough inspection on every module, including end-of-the-line functionality checks. So at the end of the line, there was, there's potting on that Legion battery modules that they're talking about. So that potting hides the connection of the cells. So the corrosion would happen within two cycles and sometimes. So that's quick. Um, but you, don't, you wouldn't see it at the end of the line if there's potting on the cells. On top of that, if you do the functionality check, well, it can take a little bit of a while to see that delta increase in the, in the imbalance in the battery pack. So there's a very good chance that the quality assurance process from Nicola and Romeo, and like I said, it looks like they're putting the blame on Romeo here, the, to our knowledge, and based upon insurance paid by our supplier, Romeo. 
the weird thing here is, is that Nicola owns Romeo. It's it's their company now. They bought it last year. So it's it's our supplier, the way they say it. But like, it's literally, when they say our, you mean like we own that supplier. So if they put the blame on them, it's uh, it's not exactly a great look either. So we know for a fact that this has been a major problem. I know that people quit at Romeo over this issue and very qualified people, some some like, people that have been around the industry in terms of battery pack production. And uh, and then at the same time, so these fires happen. So I, again, I cannot put the blame exactly on the fire. I can just talk about the timing and these can lead to thermal event, these kind of problem. And then you had to add the fact that uh, Nikola recently stopped production of the Trey uh, battery electric vehicle. Uh, they claim it was for demand issue like there was not enough demand for it and then that there's more demand for their fuel cell vehicles but that's another thing so that also looks bad um I, look even if that's not the source of the fire this looks like a major problem and more than anything talking to nicola about it the way that they responded to me and they seem like completely like lost in this issue and the way that the people that i talked to that worked at romeo and nicola involved around this I, it looks like a big old mess really Big old mess. You know what doesn't yeah, look nah. good in this in all this to this week, Seth? What's that? Because we, we I didn't put the story in there because I think like it's a kind of a duh story. But Lordstown also went bankrupt uh, this yeah. week, and who invested or at least tried to invest in both Lordstown and Nicola? Mary Barra. <laughs> yeah, GM. Yeah. So and there too the, the dead touch of Mary Barra and GM. <laughs> The question is, does she, or sorry, does GM, do they have like the inverse Midas touch or do they just pick bad companies to go after? Like, do they ruin companies or do they pick ruined companies to go after? Yeah. I mean, I think it's the, 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 the latter, but, um, but at the same time, it's just, it, it's, it, it comes more of a, from a place of like, they, they felt like they were falling behind on electric vehicles, especially around that time where like the, 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 this shift to the Ultium platform created some kind of gap where the, the combination of the shift to the Ultium platform and the Chevy Bolt recall created this gap where right. GM was like nowhere in EV for a while, even though they were all in. And then, and I believe them, they were all in because they make it, they made it, they are making a huge investment on the Ultium platform and everything. And I think there's going to be great vehicles coming out of that. Obviously we just talked about a few, but and created this gap where they're like, we need, <laughs> we need to be a way to, to have some skin in this EV game. And they somehow pick the worst, the worst possible uh, companies with Lorsa. They managed to whistle the way out of those at the right time, though. Uh, yeah. It's just uh, so it, 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 you could see the urgency in this because normally you do your due diligence and you wouldn't do those moves. Um, like a lot of uh, Nikola investors should have done, probably. But uh, now they were like, uh, they, they did the move and they did the diligence after and they're like, okay, <laughs> we're out of here. Uh, yeah, and I, I guess it's reason. good they left themselves a, enough, you know, contract out space that, so that they could get out of it. Yeah, well, I think in the case of Nicola, though, I think it was a lot on Nicola's side too that uh, like, well, I mean, the Trevor thing happened too. I don't know if there was a cause of kind of uh, like, oh, if you guys have a fraud star for our founder, we can get out. But also at the same time, like that, the whole Trevor thing going down uh, created such a nightmare of the company that uh, they had to cut 
a lot of programs of the company and, and the Badger, which was the project that they had with GM was one of them. But I want to keep emphasizing one thing about Nicola for, for, for people because I've, oh my God, the emails and the comments I received this week from Nicola investors telling me that I'm the devil for, for reporting on this, even though like I, I'm, I'm like solid on the facts. Like I, I, the, the only thing that you can argue with me here is the headline was, but I'm I still, I still back myself up legally here. I think may have cause and saying it cause it may have cause. I think it's probably a most likely um, cause right now, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that. I just know about the problem. I don't know that it caused it because I don't have a team looking into those trucks right now, unfortunately, which is literally impossible for us to do. But one thing that I've found is that that a lot of uh, Tesla inv- Nikola investors are missing is that Nikola doesn't have like core EV competency uh, it, or hydrogen competency for for that matter. Like Bosch is doing their um, Bosch and GM was doing their uh, hydrogen system powertrain, and Romeo was doing the the battery modules. Now now they bought him, so yeah, now they got some of that battery modules. Um, engineering capacity and design f- from Romeo, but that's that's what it gives you. <laughs> that, that the, that's what Romeo gives you right now. So you can see that they don't have kind of like a strong powertrain level engineering and design um, capability right now. And I would add to that, like. Uh, quality insurance like the fact even if you can blame everything on Romeo they should have had something on the Nikola side to catch that and not put that in trucks Um, because that's obviously a giant safety issue and I want to reiterate this like everyone I've talked to regarding this project this this reporting and myself included the goal here is safety like I've I don't think that my side, I don't have a short position on Nicola. And as far as I know, any, anyone involved in this reporting doesn't have a short position on Nicola. And the goal of getting this out there is to make sure that there's safety in, in using batteries for electric vehicle because that's going to be crucial in the electrification process of the transportation system. Because uh, that's that's one of those things that some Nicola investors... Uh, talked to me about they said that oh this this thing was known since march or june last year how come it didn't come out until now a year later uh like they should have said something before that i'm like first of all they they tried to internally for for months like i said uh, the ceo shut it shut it down uh and the fires happen and they're like, oh, we don't want more of that. They don't want any, no one involved wants that on their conscience. So some people started coming out of the woodwork and like, hey, this is a real problem that needs to be looked at more because there are still about 30 trucks sitting in, in that parking lot there that could potentially have this problem. We don't know. So yeah, this is, this is happening right now. And, and you know, and, and to, to Nicholas PR's credit, they managed to shut down all of their articles coming out about this like because uh, uh, you know how it works set if someone like posts something like that all the other publication will will send it to the pr it was like hey is there like all excuse me all the lazy journalists are, are going to do that like some others could do their own research but most of them are lazy most of journalists are lazy unfortunately and 
they will just send that to them. It's like, is there anything to it? And then Nicola would say, no, whatever. Like this guy is just fishing and whatnot. And then they dropped it because no one else reported on this. No one else just electric has it. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. Uh, let's move on to questions. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, Doug Grinberg came in before we even started. Who knows what kind of financial arrangements companies are making with Tesla for supercharger access, any NAX licensing fees, for car or charger companies. I had heard something about this, um, but the source wasn't uh, reliable enough for me to, and I've heard other things since then. So I don't have any reliable info on this. I don't have any insider info either. My assumption is that no no licensing fee, no, no financial agreements, none of that uh, is in play. I think uh, in order to get things moving, I think Tesla had to just... Just let it open everything up with no lessons and fee, and just let it go. And in the back end, Tesla is gonna get is gonna get its money from from people using more more electric vehicle using the supercharger network. I think that's it. Yeah, I, I think Tesla is gonna be a monster of charging now. Like, yeah, not just their cars, but other people's as well. Exactly. All right, uh, Daniel Hayes. Since we were able to charge the Rivian on Magic Dock, I wonder how long it will take for an adapter that is available for NAX. Um, yeah shouldn't take too long they can probably just rip out a magic doc thing and give it to people but they you know they have to test it manufacture it get it you know ul listed all the other stuff so um maybe not as quick as we'd like um and and at the same time it seems like tesla stopped its magic doc deployment at you know at seven stations so uh in the short term it's not going to be any better for uh charging uh rivians unfortunately yeah, they're talking about spring 2024, first half of 2024. It's a little bit late. I don't know what's the holdup. Maybe they are sandbagging us on this. Yeah, and and even if you know a third party comes in and says, "Hey, we we made an adapter. Like it's not hard." Mm-hmm. Uh, Tesla still has to enable it at the t- the supercharger because you mm-hmm. know how do you, how do you pay for it? You can't just go to a supercharger and pretend you're a Tesla and plug it in and get electricity well you can through at uh, these magic docks through the app so i guess they could just like had the the, the that that sounds more like uh, a switch to turn on like yeah they but have Tesla, the option in the software Tesla would have to do that though yeah yeah you're right they would have to but at least it, it's there yeah and some of the older stations i don't think have the ccs communication protocol that they need to uh to initiate a charge as well. So I, I don't think it works on all chargers. Maybe some need updates or something. All right, Carl in San Diego, I take your point that SAE working on NAX is a good thing, but I do think that the entire move to NAX from Ford and GM is putting fingers on the scale for Tesla to become a monopoly. Why? Because others have two tiers with separate manufacturers and charge point operators. As has been reported, Tesla can deliver chargers more cheaply. So them taking the Nevi money is not fixing the imbalance of Tesla network domination. These forest fire, uh, I think we'll stop there. All right. So yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Tesla is, puts itself in a really good position right now uh, in terms of becoming, I, I wouldn't say monopoly, but dominant in the uh, charging space. Um, and, you know, they did it for, they did it because they are better. Like they built mm-hmm. better chargers. They invested more money. They invested earlier like before, you know, every, anybody else did. Um, so like, I kind of, I don't feel bad for everybody else because, you know. But even, even, 
even that, like, you, I think that's, that's not even the right question. I think the right question is, would the other charging station operator be better off without Max? I think that's the only question that matters. I mean, from a isolation standpoint, maybe because you know they have they have uh, a monopoly over the non-Tesla vehicles, like they have now. Like, why does even Electrify America exist if its only existence is because like Diesel other? Gate. Well, I mean that's why it was funded, but like yeah. Pete, nobody would use Electrify America if Tesla's worked on all charges already. So, I mean. I have to ask myself, like, if I'm Volkswagen and I know what I have with Electrify America, like, do I shut it down? Like, they might. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you could sell it. There's still some value in it. There's still right. there, there's some good leaders. Like, not not saying that people at Electrify America are not good leaders, but there's there's a way to replicate Tesla's success uh, with charging as a third party. There's a way to do it. It's not impossible. Um, it's going to be hard to close that gap. Like Carl mentioned, yes, Tesla has a giant cost advantage gap. But the thing is, is I don't think they are better off if they are isolating themselves. I think they are better off having access to that, that Tesla fleet. Um, because yes, for your like daily charging situation, pricing is super important. You need, you need that pricing. Yeah, that's one of them there. Uh, you need you need that pricing to be to be good because that's your main source of, of transportation and everything. But DC fast charging is mainly not for your daily charging needs. It's for right. your, your traveling needs. And for that, the best thing is location, not necessarily pricing. You're going to stop set at a charging station that's more convenient to you and you would be willing to pay a little bit more for it, wouldn't you? For sure. So, So there's a way that you can close the gap like that with, with just putting the right station in the right place. And obviously long-term you want, you want to have a control over your costs. There's, there's no doubt about it, but I think there's a way. All right. Uh, MJ for Kramer comment. I was in Aruba for a week in an Elantra. When I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> poor, poor guy. Uh, one of the biggest cars there, it was nice seeing so many tiny cars. Uh, I think, uh, that's a Micah person. Saw mm-hmm. several ID4s and tons of Leafs, a BAW pony, and a thousand tiny ice cars. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a small island, isn't it, Aruba? Small island. You don't need, you know, you don't need a lot of range. So yeah, it makes mm-hmm. sense there. Uh, I would, I would like to see the the US go in the other direction of not getting bigger, like at least stop getting bigger. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, automakers who adopt NACs have to move their charge points to the back of the car like Tesla does. I'm sure that Tesla recommended that <laughs> throughout their discussion. It's like, but that's also like a common sense one. Or like, all right, let's. I, I we already seeing I think a little bit more homogeneity. Uh, homogeneity. Mm-hmm. Is that which one is right? Homogeneity. Homogeneity. Um, on that front in the market, at first there was a lot of weird one like the the Nissan Leaf, like it's smack dab in the middle, the the the, the Kona EV and what that. Like they they did some weird things. I I think that most people are starting to understand now that you need that like on on the driver's side, either at the front or the back, ideally in the back. So I, I think the market was already moving that way. And now with Max, I I assume that Tesla had was able to 
with again that carrot, that supercharger carrot dangling in the front of like, you want to use it at work? How about you? How about you be smart about where you put you put your connector? Yep. All right, Carl Sanadio is back. Question: Have you asked any manufacturers if an existing CCS car will need two different adapters for NACs, one for AC and one for DC? This is because existing CCS one cars don't have AC DC switching. That's a great point. Um, I think the the Magic Dock was only DC, right? Because you know it only mm-hmm. had to live in a DC, but maybe. Um, you do get two different adapters, one for AC, which already exists. Uh, they, you know, there's tons out there. A company called Electron makes, makes them, they're a couple hundred bucks or something. Um, but I don't know if the Tesla one will work for both or, or how that'll work. All right. General question, uh, worth waiting for Tesla being vehicle to home or grid. What do you think? Uh, well, what do you mean by waiting? Uh, well, I mean, I, we, I think they already confirmed that Cybertruck is going to have the capability. So if you want that, tr- that yeah, wait for that. But if you mean like waiting for like Model 3, Model Y to have that capability, I don't know. Like like I just said, I still think that Powerwall is a better solution in, in general. Having vehicle to home is like a had-on or like longer outages, but, but like for me, for example, I don't have a problem here with longer outages. Um, but you never know when it's going to happen. So yeah, for me, it's just not a deal breaker for me. All right, uh, come on, hello from Topeka. Hey, drove from Chicago. It's been really cool so far. Stopped by Rivian, a sprinkle of R1T and R1S, and a sea of Amazon delivery vans and a lot. Now I have to find that electric swag. Oh, do right. we have an electric swag yeah. there? Yeah, actually, well, uh, it's it's impressive how much stuff they've put. Like, we sent them their, our logo, and they've just put it on everything, like including uh, like, well, the okay, hats. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. So, plenty of swag here. Come and get it. Mm. All right. Uh, yeah, so Daniel uh, asked a couple questions that we answered. Uh, I probably should have put something in the beginning of the podcast saying we answer at the end of the show for the new people. A lot of the people who've been here for a while know that. Uh, so Daniel patience, uh, we'll get, we get, we get to your questions. We've already answered yours now at this point, but he's gone. So he won't know, uh, Carl in San Diego, Seth, can you interview the solar race teams and see how they view giant EV pickups versus their highly efficient machines? Uh, Carl, I, I think a lot of them will appreciate the efficiency, but at the same time, they all got their vehicles here with huge gas pickups, sadly. Uh, so that's the bad news. Uh, every almost every single one of them has a huge trailer and a big pickup. So bummed about but, that. But what is so cool about this event is that you can imagine a future where these these students now are going to be picked up by a bunch of different companies in the EV world, and they're going to use their experience making a super efficient vehicle and apply some of these uh, capacity to to existing vehicles that are not as efficient. Uh, obviously, I don't think none of them are going to be anything close to to what they're doing right now, but every little person and points, percentage, percentage point that you can remove off of the drag and the um, weight and all that from, from these pickup trucks is going to have a giant advantage. Yep. All right, Carl and San Diego, good job reporting on the Nikola issues, Fred. This helps the industry when transparency allows others to learn from their mistakes. Yep, kudos to you. Uh, awesome job. And also, um, it's so much fun to 
not fun, but it's it's rewarding to to do that good investigative investigative journalism. Yes, I try to do my best with that. Appreciate it. Uh, Charles Cole, anyone who does not go with Nax will be behind the eight ball. That's true. A question related to the broader green energy transition world. Where would you suggest one look for career opportunities or other areas to get involved in the green energy transition? I mean, it depends on what you want to do exactly. I know there's a giant rush right now to find electricians. Like we are, we're going to have a huge shortage of electrician from just installing charging station, installing solar, uh, installing battery storage. Like we need people that actually have the skills uh, and the certifications also to to install those. So that that's a big thing. Uh, uh, I, th- I think you're going to see a, a, a big increase uh, in, in also revenue for <laughs> electrician. I think that there's going to be a squeeze that's going to happen that's going to elevate that market a little bit. But uh, there's opportunities in 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 everything is you have giant companies that the companies that are becoming giant from, from, from that transition that are just taking advantage of it. I think a lot of it is to do with software too. Like there's opportunities to, to make um, better uh, user interface experience. There's, there's throughout the entire thing, there's financing too. Like uh, uh, just you, we, these projects are capital intensive and you need some, uh, smart people that figure out a way to finance those. So there's there's every step of the way there's going to be opportunities to contribute to the green energy energy well. I mean, Seth and I, all we do is like tuck, 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 tuck on the laptop, and we're we're part of it. Like we <laughs> we're part of that. Yep. All right, uh, Aaron Rudloff, uh, who apparently is around here. Also, yeah. will we be seeing Fred Esteban, which is the Montreal uh, school, is here? They need oh, you. Uh, they call it Esteban. I think so. They they keep Why? saying. Keep saying Esteban. I don't know. Uh, the, the, have, it's the Polytechnic, the Montreal Polytechnic. But. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're very like rah-rah, loud. Oh, and they also good. have like, I think, one of the fastest cars. Uh, we had the drag strip yesterday. Oh, good. Were... Well, I gave them a few hundred bucks. So like, uh, nice. my money my money is on that team. Um, no, they don't need me at all. Unfortunately, uh, Aaron, I won't be making it. Uh, I had an obligation earlier this week that I had to, to do. And now with just... A few days left on, on the competition. It would be expensive for me to show up uh, uh, there. There's these Canadian flight tickets are not cheap. You fly out of a Canadian airport. All right, Rich Tier. Tesla's already dominant in the charging space. Others adopting Nax just cements it. It's kind of true. Do we worry about yeah. gas pumps at all the same connector? No. A little bit different, though. Yeah. Uh, question where do we find the location of the only 12,000 tesla chargers that will be opened that's a question i had as well like uh tesla has said they're going to open 12,000 but i I believe there's like 18,000 currently and then there's another you know between now and a year from now when they open up everything uh there's going to be some more like how do they choose which stations are available you know i mentioned before like some of them have the older software and maybe not ccs compatible without an upgrade mm-hmm. maybe that's just you know those those older ones they yeah, don't that's, up. that's what i was thinking too i mean it's similar to the what what they did in europe i guess um yeah in terms of opening to non-tesla vehicles all right uh rich here are you guys planning to come to fully lar- fully charged live in canada in september uh i don't know where that is but uh i think it's on the west coast i think it's like vancouver or somewhere uh, in bc i do like vancouver yeah, 
don't know. Uh, we didn't have any plans, but if they have something cool, uh, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll send someone. We'll, uh, maybe we'll show up. I love Vancouver. I went there for the first time the, uh, earlier this year. It was fun. All right. Uh, it feels like Rivian has production and demand problems. They say they are shifting to R1S since they are losing money. They And then that's it. We discussed um, that last week, actually, the shift yeah. to R1S. And it's not as, I don't think it's about like losing money because I think they're losing money on both uh, the R1S and R1T. I think it's, yeah, it's more of a dominant problem where the demand is shifting to the R1S, which I don't know how much of a problem it is because I think I think the demand is still super strong on the R1S. It's just weaker on the R1T right now. Um, I'm not worried too much about that, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. All right, and the last question, uh, Carl's back, and is the twelve thousand based on V three chargers? Yeah, that's probably uh, uh, the the issue here. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Well, thanks everyone for uh, joining in on the show this week. This was it for us on the Electric Podcast. If you did enjoy your show, please give us a thumbs up, a like, a subscribe, hit the notification button. And um, if you're listening to a podcast app, please uh, give us a, a five-star rating. That would be super helpful. It takes a second to do. And uh, we're going to see you same time, same place next week. Have a good one.